All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew. I know you missed slides because you missed graphics like this. We are all like sheep about to wander off a cliff if it weren't for Jesus. And so that is us, and we want to follow Jesus because he'll lead us away from the cliff. Amen. But um, let, it, let me begin with a, a prayer, and then we'll get into Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that I thank you for these words that you've given to us in your in your Sermon on the Mount, Lord. I pray that you will use them to lead us, to guide us. Lord, it, it says in here that we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and then you will all these things will be added unto you. So, Lord, let us seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. And this is in the ESV, and you'll see why I say that in a minute. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow sow, nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. So last week I spoke about Psalm 73, uh, 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you and I have no one on earth that I desire besides you. And I've talked about how I've riffed off that prayer for a number of years. Setting my, taking my eyes off the things that I want to focus on and on to Christ. That like if we can say whom have I in heaven and earth besides you. That you're my lot and you're my portion. That is a beautiful thing and it's helped me stay focused on what Jesus is doing. And also like count the cost. Okay, Lord you want me to follow you but this. Okay, but I'm going to follow you anyway. So in that, we talked about Jesus being our everything. He is our all in all. He is our everything. But this verse here, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is what I want to be the heartbeat of my life. Even though I prayed Psalms 73 a lot, this is actually for the last four years has been like my verse of the year. And then every time I go to like think, okay, what would be a new verse of the year? I'm like, I love this one. Just I love the idea and it encompasses so much. And I actually would hope that in like all the preaching and teaching and all this stuff that I do outside, I want people to seek first the kingdom of God. Like I want it for myself. I want it for my children. I want it for my wife. I want it for you guys. I want it for everyone that would ever hear this. I want them to seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Because if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and by the way, if you haven't yet or haven't in a long time, I would encourage you to taste and see 
that God is good. But if we have tasted and seen, then we'll follow him, we'll seek him out, and we'll seek first the kingdom of God. I actually really love this scripture. It's simple. I know that sometimes in Matthew we take just a line, and this is actually a really long chunk of scripture for us, but it actually is really simple. It has one big don't and one big do. The big don't is don't be anxious, or instead of maybe the word anxious, the word translated in certain areas is worry. So don't be anxious or worry. The big do, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. This is the big truth. And if we can grasp this, this is what our life should be about. Seeking first the kingdom of God. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, then you know what will happen? We won't have to worry about the other things. And so I don't always like using other translations when they are offered, but I believe they're helpful at times and more than just a game of semantics and just word changes because it's not just wordplay. We, as we sit here and as as we listen to scripture and as we read scripture, we're trying to get the big truths of God's word into our heart and into our life. In fact, the word meditate that we read in Psalm 1, we're trying to chew over the scripture and get the most out of it for nourishment for today and tomorrow. And the next day, if God gives them to us, we want this to be nourishing for us. And so as we continue to exercise our faith in Jesus... Since, by the way, faith is the antidote to worry, then we need this every day. And so here I'd like to offer uh, and highlight, I want to read three, three texts in different versions. And one, two are lesser known versions that I like to read. And then one is the message because I like it in the message. But this is actually from, this is going to be from the, the First Nations version. It's an indigenous translation of the New Testament. And this selection that is in there, it is actually called Worry is the Wrong Path. And I really love that kind of the title and I love the language because we are all walking with Jesus in his way. We are all walking on the path that Jesus has laid out for us. And if we're following him and seeking first, then we want to stay on that path and not go down the wrong path. Amen. So this, this is what it says in the First Nations version. This is what the nations who have lost their way have given their hearts to. But your father from above knows you need these things. If you will make creator's good road your first aim, representing his right ways, he will make sure that you have all you need for each day. I love that translation because it's just beautiful. The second one is actually from N.T. Wright, his version. Uh, it's helpful with some slight word changes. It says, so don't worry away with, uh, so don't worry away with you. What will, uh, what will eat and what will drink and what will wear? Those are the kind of things Gentiles fuss about. And your heavenly father knows you need them all. Instead, make your top priority. God's kingdom, and his way of life. And all these things will be given to you as well. And then lastly is the message from Eugene Peterson. And I love uh, Eugene Peterson. I've read a lot of him, so this language just sounds so much like Eugene Peterson. But steep your life in God reality, God-initiated, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your, uh, it says give you, but it should be give your entire attention 
to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So our first aim, our top priority, our entire uh, attention or for movie fans, right? This is mission critical. This is, this is it. This is our main objective as we learn to follow Jesus is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so this, we could say it this way. Our first priority is to seek his right way for us and to follow him in what we need to be doing. In order to do this, we need to keep this idea always before us. We need to remember it and we need to be reminded, not just once in a while, but we need to have a daily, even moment to moment focus as we seek first the kingdom of God. There is constant course direction in our lives that needs to be present as we're walking on this path that God has for us. But it's always aiming towards Jesus and what he would have for us. Our job in this is to let go of the anxieties the fears and the worries and cling to the faith that God is enough, that his ways are good enough to know that God not only knows all your needs, but he's going to provide them the way to let go of worry for us. uh, And for us of, Oh, you of little faith is spelled out for us. And so, and by the way, when Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, he isn't disappointed in you as disciples. He isn't like, Oh, come on, you, Come on, sheep. He's No, he's encouraging us. He's using this strong language to urge us as believers to trust in God, to know that God sees, that God knows, and then in seeing and knowing, he's doing something about it. However, I'll say this is because I, I have often heard arguments, well, God doesn't give me everything I need. And it's like, well, you're still alive. And so it's like, that's a a trite thing to say. So when we talk about need, we are not talking about everything that we want. Amen. We can say that we need to set that in our hearts. We're also not talking about everything the world says that we need to live in. I'm going to use this example because I think it's actually an interesting one. Take for example, your phone, right? I'm assuming that most everybody in here has a phone. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need it not to live. In fact, you don't even need a home phone to live. You, you really don't need it. It makes life easier. Praise be to Jesus. I think it's good to have a phone. And it's helpful in this world to stay connection. But you don't need a phone to have breath in your lungs and food on the table. You don't need it. I use this as an example because the world we live in, it's how many of us can actually imagine a world without a phone in our life? I can imagine a world without a cell phone. Mom, I'm sorry, you can, okay, so, or um, Morse code in our lives, so, or telegrams, okay, so, but if, but if we forget our phone at home, right, because we all have cell phones, what's, what's happening? Aren't we worried that we're going to miss out on something, that we're going to miss an important call, or that something might happen, and we're going to need to reach out to somebody, and so we're worried, and it is something to good and have, and very helpful, Um, And it's very basic on many levels, but it is not a need. There are other things in this world that we don't need as well. And so I just use the phone as an example because God always provides for what we need. We try, we, we get to try to understand that not all of our wants are needs and that this is a hard task for us in a consumer driven culture. 
It's a very hard task. As we figure out our need, I'll say this too. Somebody told me you need to have a Facebook account. Really? Need? You don't need to. You don't need to have any of that stuff. So all these needs that people say, oh, you need this, are they needs? We, we don't know. Uh, maybe some of them are just blessings that we can have and walk with. And some of them are just helpful for life. But as we figure out our needs, God actually knows ahead of time. Right? We get to have the knowledge, not just a feeling. So I'm, I'm very much a feeler. But this knowledge, this information that is stored in our head and hopefully transfers down to our heart, that God knows our needs ahead of time. He knows what we need and we get to store it away that we believe that God knows, that we know that God knows and that he will provide. And if we have faith and trust that God will provide for us, this is a good thing and it helps us stay away from the big don't of anxiety or worry. In fact, uh, uh, a commenter that I like on on Matthew says, the worry which this passage forbids here is set in contrast Mm -hmm with God's prior knowledge of his people's needs. Since it is our awareness of that knowledge and reliance on it that creates faith, which is the antithesis to worry. I love that quote. So let us set up for ourselves as prior knowledge before hardship, because it will befall, befall us. And if we're in the midst of us, let, it, let this be a foundational piece that before we give in to the worry and the doubt, before we give in to whatever that we have is not enough, let us set on our hearts and our minds the knowledge and the faith that God will provide what we need. And that he knows what we need more than we do. It takes faith and trust in the goodness of God to believe this. We are the ones who just prayed the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, give us this daily bread, right? Give us this daily bread. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. We pray this all the time. And one of our biggest temptations in this life is to worry. We are the ones that were just told that we cannot, in, in the book of Matthew, in the sermon that Jesus is giving us, that we cannot serve God and money. And then this section here that says, seek first the kingdom of God starts, therefore. So that therefore, since we are slaves to Jesus and his ways, and we're not slaves to money or the things of this world, since our one master and our only aim is Jesus, we get to seek God's work and trust that he will take care of this. Now, in saying this, I don't believe this is easy work at all. I think this is very difficult work for us as Christians. Faith is a muscle that we get to use so it won't atrophy, so it won't waste away. But trusting God is a huge mega theme in all of Scripture that Jesus is trying to tell us again, and he will tell us again, that we get to trust God. Don't, and he knows that worry about material things is a real temptation, Right? Not all of of us know where our next is coming from. And when I say next, maybe it's our next meal. Some may not know where that is. Or our next paycheck. Or if we don't have a vehicle, our next ride. Or we don't know where our next bit of encouragement will come because I'm just struggling to believe anything good. I don't know where my next is coming from. We don't always know 
where the next is coming from. And yet God wants what he has for us. He wants the next for us. And all of scripture is trying to point us toward what Jesus is saying here, that we can trust God for all things. All the stories in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all the commands that are given, all the prophecies that are pointing to Jesus are, you know what they're doing? They're asking us to trust him, that he knows what he's doing. So here in this sermon from Jesus, he is encouraging us to look to nature, to look to the birds and the flowers. I love that if we actually put ourselves when this sermon was preached live, and it was Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount, it would have been outdoors. If we can imagine, there would have been birds around or like we have chickens and bunnies, right? You can look out there and see some nature and see, see some of that kind of stuff. But you would, have, you would have been able to see flowers in bloom or trees on the hillside. And so I picture this, this sermon in springtime when things are most alive so that Jesus can get his point across. I almost think that he's using the hillside as, so, see, look. Look, I'm showing you all this, and it's like he's using the hillside as a metaphor for what he's trying to get across. This would have been readily available for them to see as they were listening to the Sermon on the Mount. And when we look at nature, by most appearances, the animals and the plants, if they're alive, they look provided for. Amen? They look provided for. Like nature is sustained by God. That's what it looks like from our observations. So if we look outside and especially if it's springtime, birds have food, right? They don't need us to put our food out. And uh, the flowers have their clothes, their clothes on. And when we look at these things, we marvel at the beauty. And if we're followers of Jesus, we marvel at the beauty of God and his provision, We can see that life is all around and that life is given and sustained by God. And that is, if the whole land is alive and once we start to pay attention to it, and then we think, God, you care more about me than you care about this. And this is arrayed with life and splendor. God's love for us is so much greater than it is for the land, even though he loves the land that is teeming with life. This is what Jesus wants to speak to us. He wants to speak life. He wants us to live life free from worry and free to follow Jesus wherever he will lead us. He will cover the cost and provide the way for us to get to where he wants us. We can look to nature and see that God is the sustainer, the life giver, and the keeper. And we can look with knowledge, not arrogance, but knowledge that God cares about us more. But if we're honest, as we look around, we also see death, don't we? We don't want to ignore this, especially in the wintertime or in like looked out my window today, which is very beautiful, but it was all fog. You couldn't see anything. And so just the maybe the five feet of grass in front of us. There are those in life who don't seem provided for. And they're tempted to only see the death in nature that is there. Maybe it's just our momentary attitude or something. But you can look at news reports. There are entire flocks of birds that die off without rhyme or reason. So when we look to nature, we can see these things. When we look at nature, we can see uh, life, but we can also see death. We can look at a forest that are dying off, or we can think of global warming and the effects that it's attributed to. Because I think that if I, if I was just to say, look at nature and watch, see how God provides... 
I actually automatically go to all the ways that things go wrong. And so it's like, we can see death if we're honest with it. And Jesus knows this. He knows this when he encourages us to look at nature. He knows that there are parts in nature that do not look as alive as the place where he was preaching at the moment. Jesus is also not scared or worried about death in this moment. He is trying to stress that in life and even in death that we can trust him. That we can trust him. Both life and death are the kingdom of God's which we are seeking first and foremost in our lives. They're God's domain. Jesus is before life and he is before death. And he is over both of them. And as we learn to walk with Jesus, we also learn that in his kingdom, the one that we're seeking first, that life comes from death. This is the way of Jesus. He asks us to die to ourselves so that he might live through us. That is what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We follow no matter the cost. Jesus did in all his suffering, even a death like his, uh, his death isn't above us. It wasn't above some that followed him, some that were first heard this sermon. They died on crosses as well. And I pray that he gives us all a long, happy, healthy life. That is my prayer. But it's not promised. What is promised is that if we walk with Jesus, his peace will come in any situation. I picture Jesus going to the cross. And it says that it was for the joy set before him. I don't picture a smile on his face. But and it was the joy of the joy before him was salvation for you and me but when i picture jesus going to the cross i picture a resolute man full of peace knowing that this is what he has to do to follow a man of few words in his last moments because his peace was so much greater than any defense he could have offered peace that god had given him as a gift and the holy spirit was ministering through him peace that god was Even in the moment of him being whipped and flogged, God was sustaining him. His face was set on his father's will, and his father gave him peace to carry out the kingdom business that he had for Jesus in those moments. Jesus, as a way of example, was seeking first the kingdom of God and his right path. The right path for Jesus was death on a Roman cross. The right path for Jesus was to live a perfect life. And the right path for Jesus was to forgive all our sins. Amen. The right path for Jesus was to live in complete righteousness and obedience before God. And then give us his righteousness as a free gift of grace. As we seek first the kingdom of God. And we, we could seek first the life that Jesus wants us to walk. His path leads to resurrection. Because in God's kingdom, all death leads to life as we follow him. And life more abundant than we can even imagine. Jesus wants to give us life to the full. Amen? So life, a life to the full, it's full of ups and downs, ins and outs, being made much of and being made fun of. It's full of it all. We get to live it all. It's like a good path. Not every good path in nature is straight and easy. Praise be to Jesus. How many of us have been on a hike? right? A lot of hikes are hard. But even when hikes are hard, you know what we generally say in the end? Somebody will ask, is it worth it? And you're like, yeah, it kind of was. I guess not for kids, but for adults, you, you tend to appreciate it maybe a little bit more. But when we get to walk down the path that Jesus has for us, 
to the best of our ability and follow him, devoting our entire life to him, having seeking be our top priority, this is a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful path that we get to walk down. For this to be top priority, we must keep this before us. This life of following Jesus is, is uh, not just one step and then, oh, well, okay, I'm saved, so I'm good. No, it's one step after another, after another, after another. As long as he gives you the next step, we need to seek him for that. We seek the kingdom pathway, and then we seek to stay on it. In this, we are diligent to keep Jesus before us in all things. We do our best to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit that Jesus uh, gave to us as a promise that the Holy Spirit will speak to us because we are seekers. And, and, and I say we're seekers because we're seeking first this kingdom of God. That means we're desperately looking for the great treasure that is worth following in and through the life of Jesus. If we do this, the promise is all that we need, all that we need, we don't need to worry about, it will be given to us for the mission that God has for us. Amen. And that means the mission that God has for you. Let us let go of worry. That's my prayer. Let us resist it in faith and let that faith be built up. Let us seek the way that Jesus has for us today. And if he gives us tomorrow, we'll trust him for that too. Let us make his, uh, his life our top priority in life. Make it our first aim, or as Eugene Peterson says, our entire attention to seeking Jesus and following wherever he may lead this, lead us. And then we get to let this life be a surprise that Jesus has for us and a tremendous blessing. So Father, I pray that we may seek you first, that we may seek your kingdom. Lord, that we, your righteousness will be added to us, that you will provide for us, and that we may trust you free of worry, free of doubt. In Jesus' name, amen.